Welcome to an extremely special episode of Your Cost Football. Didn't think I was going to do any podcasts anytime soon, but the chance to interview York City's new owner um, came up. And um, it was very quickly how we, how we kind of put it together and hopefully people are going to enjoy this. I try to go through social media, all the things that people seem to be asking, you know, things about rumours of this, that and the other. So I've tried to get as many of those across in, in question form to Matt and, uh, and see what he, what he says in return. I found him to be really nice guys to speak to, really open and honest, or as honest as he could be about certain things without giving too much away. But you'll see what I mean when you get to those sort of questions. And um, yeah, I'm going to shut up now because I'm sure you want to listen uh, to York City's new owner, Matthew O'Glock. Matt, thanks so much for, for joining us on the Hospital Radio. We, we've had so many players and managers on before, even, even mascots, um, never an owner. So it's really nice to sort of tick that box. Um, you messaged me the other day to say that it'd it been a crazy day. I mean, it's been a crazy week for us as supporters. So how, how are you enjoying being the owner of York City Football Club? And have you had a chance to sort of sit down and, and take stock of everything that's happened? It's, it's um, been a crazy time. Been in probably just over a week. There's been so much to do. So... Uh, I mean, last night was the first night where I really kind of got a full night's sleep. I think I slept for like 20 hours and just crashed. I think I hit a wall um, just because there's been so much going on. Um, but yeah, there's been moments where I've sat there and gone, this is just brilliant. It's like living a dream. It's, it's crazy. And there's been other moments where you thought, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I think there's been some really stressful moments and I think those are, are normal and they'll continue to arise. But no, never. Th- I mean just driving around the city and, and going to the stadium and meeting all the people at the club and, and the fans and stuff has just been unbelievable. I just already feel very welcome. So I'm, I've loved every moment of it so far. Sounds good. And, and I wanted to talk about your interest and your passion in football. Like, Where did it start? I understand that you're a, a lifelong Arsenal fan. Yeah. Uh, so, my, you know, I was born in Canada, actually, and then my family moved over. So there was no, it wasn't really, there's no football background in my family. But obviously, I went to school kind of around the North London area, and um, you know, it was either Arsenal or Tottenham, and definitely wasn't going to be Tottenham. So uh, I think I made the right choice, and and then you know, from there, my dad got really into it, and we started going to Highbury back then, and then to the Emirates, and even to this day, still got season tickets. So that's where it really started. So you'd be hoping for a third round FA Cup tie at the Emirates then. Later on in the season, <laughs> that would be yeah, it'd be pretty handy. <laughs> that would be a yeah, dream. That'd be a good one. Who, who would be your favourite all-time player for Arsenal that you've you've seen? Favourite all-time player. Ooh, that's a very tough one. I think I'll probably have to go Alexis Sanchez. I mean, I was sad the way he left, but watching him play was just you know electric. He was just unbelievable. That that passion for football has obviously resulted in you wanting to own a team. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know whether you were specifically just looking for teams beginning with with why, <laughs> but um, you were close to taking over at Yeovil. It, it fell through before taking over here at yeah. York City. You said that the process was pretty fast. So was that quite refreshing for you after ha- having quite a drawn out process at Yeovil that ultimately fell through? Yeah, I think we went into Yeovil kind of very naive and, and trusting and not really knowing much about the world of football um, and definitely made some mistakes there. Uh and didn't know a lot, so were led by maybe the wrong people into certain things and certain decisions. Um, when it kind of came to head, and we realised actually, you know, something's maybe not right here, and and it's not not going to work. Um, we took a step back for maybe a couple months, and 
and really looked at a lot of different teams um but by the book and and making sure that it was done in the right way we did our due diligence and everything and you know we settled that from all the teams that we saw you know from you know championship right down to to even national league north south um we just felt york was was the right one to go for and it was really nice and you know fair play to to glenn and and his family for for making it a much much nicer experience in dealing with the uh, you know old guy at yeovil um so so it was almost like a a good fit then you felt york for you so it didn't really matter about the level as such it could have been someone in league 1 but it was something that you were after that that kind of fit with your what you were trying to achieve yeah i think what we were looking for as a team that we could take kind of as far as we wanted to take it um, or had, you know, had the ability to go as far as you want. And, you, you know, you look at the facilities that York has, it's like, it's not a National League facilities. Um, you look at the support, it's unbelievable. And that I think you, that's in the bad times. Imagine you start producing some top top football and start climbing leagues um and i'm not saying that's happening overnight but you'd probably get a lot more people in and and um that's the goal is is to really sort of climb out of these leagues and and take it as high as we possibly can sounds good to me why was the york takeover so quick then because it was a quick process wasn't it what yeah relatively quick um I just think we if we just agreed on everything pretty quickly. It wasn't like it was a, you know, I think this looking at other clubs as you know maybe there's a financial issue that you might have to deal with or a, you know, for example, Yeovil a, a land issue which you know we we're not interested in developing houses in in Yeovil but for some reason kept getting pushed upon us and we were like no that's not for us. Um, so York kind of just seemed like a very clean club and and it fit the bill that we could take it over pretty quickly and and it just made sense and what was your first impressions of the club at how much did you know about the club and and i wondered were you there when york beat yovel 2-1 in february was it were you at that game i wa- i watched the game on uh national league tv and remember thinking where are they playing this stadium and i haven't been to i won't name any names but other stadiums in the league um thinking this is class um obviously the result was at the time not the best but now I'm, i guess i'm happy about it um i didn't know i mean i knew about ben godfrey being here that was probably the first i'd ever come across york um obviously i know what you, that york uh had a football team but i'd i'd never really looked too much into it um until we came and started looking around these leagues because I think when you're, you know, an Arsenal fan, you're a bit, I guess, stuck in your own Premier League bubble and you don't really look beneath it too much. Um, but now having spent time, like, working within these leagues, it's so much better. It's unbelievable. Like, the the passion's just way better. Um, the the players are it's way more of a personal relationship and and you know the this the way the pendulum swings in like you know one year one team can be unbelievable the next year they're not great i think it's just far more exciting yeah and and i've i read that you you've been sort of keen to to find out about york city's history did 
did anything surprise you when you were sort of researching the club? Like, did you, did you look back and think, geez, they beat Arsenal in the, <laughs> in the 80s? I've been told about that quite a lot. So, um, did anything surprise me? I mean, I was the first thing that kind of shocked me was it was like it was relatively new compared to a lot of other clubs. I mean, you know, Arsenal, I think, it's 1886 and York, 1922. So, I think that was probably the only thing, you know, when you look at clubs, usually they're late 1800s. Um, so that you know, for a football club, it's, it's relatively new. Um, but no, I mean, I I was shocked by the the level of support. Like you know, seeing what the average attendance was last year, like it's that kind of took me by surprise a bit. Not, but that's only because I just didn't know anything about York. So yeah, and and I suppose that, you know, there's different sort of management styles and their playing styles. Mm-hmm. Owners are going to have their own ideas about how they like things to be done. Yeah. I mean, last season we saw like Wrexham took the approach of buying players from a higher level, probably too good for the for the league and, and therefore got promoted. York with under Glenn, I think we're trying to be a bit more sustainable. What what would you say is going to be your model going forward and is that going to be dependent on the league that, that York City are in? No, I think we have quite a clear vision of what we want to do. I think we sat down I know I sat down with, with uh, David Stockdale and obviously Mikey and and we worked through what we all believe things look like and it was not a hard conversation at all. We were all very aligned um, on what we were planning and I think one of the key aspects of it is just we have to be strong enough to block out outside noise and go this is kind of the vision that we believe in um, if we you know keep the course then eventually it will bear fruit and we just have to you know you can see people might get a bit impatient or things like that but I think what we have to do is not plan for six months or a year. We have to be planning one year, two years, three years, four years, five years down the line and and start laying the foundations for that. So I don't think it changes. I think we have to get those processes right and we're obviously you know early days, but we're we're trying to to get that into place. And um we've seen a lot of players come in the last week mm-hmm. and, and you know like I was saying to you before, it yeah. feels like every time I refresh my phone, we've, we've uh, signed a new player, and yeah. it it feels like we're after a certain profile of player. Is that is that a fair observation? No, I think f- to explain it is we come in with a plan, and phase one of that plan is we want to we wanted to explore, and now we've you know decided to probably go ahead with uh, a development or B team kind of squad. Um, so what the thinking behind that is is there's such a big jump between the academy and the first team it's it's very difficult for you know players to make that jump um also you know there's other talents out there that might not be ready for our first team just yet but if we we can bring them in now and they're our player and they can develop at the club mikey can keep an eye on them the youth staff can keep an eye on them and you know, maybe we loan them out or whatever, but um, rather than having to pay 50, 60, 70 K for them in three years time when they've blown up and, and you know, a, a Kings Lynn or wherever it is, um, we bring them in now. And listen, if we bring in 10 of those players and seven of them make it into our first team, that's happy days. That's And that's what we, I'm trying to say about planning for the future. Um, so that's underway. And that was where the, kind of, you know, there's been a big drive for that. And, What's next is phase two, which is is going after players that will have uh, you know are established and and ready to go. 
So, so that brings me on quite nicely to the next question, which is, you know, there's lots of rumours certainly a week ago about spending £100,000 on a centre-half. And is that the level of spending that York City fans can expect to sort of see next in this sort of phase two? Um, who's the centre-half? The guy from uh, Aldershot? Uh, I'm not sure who that is. <laughs> um, listen, if the right player comes along at the right deal, we're not afraid to spend money. Um, it has to make sense for us. It has to be, you know, we look at it as an investment that, because obviously we're not going to be sustainable right away, but we do want to get to a place of sustainability. But so that's, you know, exactly, again, coming back to bringing in those younger players and, and this centre back you might be talking about, I'm not sure, um, is that we have to look at it and go, okay, if we're spending X amount of money on him, one, can he travel up the leagues with us? If so, you know, tick. Or two, if we're not successful in traveling up the leagues, is there going to be a return on that investment? You know, either by a bigger club coming in and, and paying a, a hefty tra- transfer fee for him or, or whatever it is like that. So we're not scared to spend money, but it just has to be spent smartly. It can't just be thrown away kind of into the wind. Yeah. And, and these signings, of these in communication with, with Mikey Moore and David Stockdale at has Mikey's role sort of changed now because of the recruitment and the, the structure? Because, you know, is he a manager? Is he a coach? What? What? Because what? lots of again, yeah. lots of rumours on social media and people have different opinions. Yeah, no, I, I I understand that, and I can you know I understand that people sometimes think that we're sat here playing football manager. Um, I can assure you. I mean, Mikey will come out and say the exact same thing. The you know, it's in this recruitment drive. It's Mikey. David and myself all and I'm leaning heavily on them because obviously I don't have anywhere near as much football knowledge as them but it's three younger guys who are more interested in maybe a new school approach with data and and statistics and and things like that all coming together and and feeding ideas off of each other and it doesn't really matter if the idea comes from me it doesn't really matter if it comes from David it doesn't matter if it comes from Mikey or even you know some of the staff at the club I think we're all aiming for the same goal so how someone gets here isn't isn't relevant so uh as long as they fit the system so no mikey's role hasn't changed mikey's a massive part of the recruitment and we wouldn't sign a player um if mikey didn't want him in the in the club you know there might be some of the younger players that we go look we see this as an investment we might bring them in um and that that would be the only way that that happens. Okay, I know you said the sky's the limit for York City, but didn't want to make too many bold predictions. Yeah. Um, but but what would you say are your priorities in the short term now that you've been in a week? Is what do you think is is your top priority going forward? Um, I think now we've got to make sure that we have a squad that's capable of doing what we want to do this season. Um, that's priority number one now, um, and I think in the next week. That will hopefully look a lot better. Um, I think we need to get a fans forum together to sort of, you know, really meet and explain um, what's been going on. I, I didn't want to, you know, come out of cover too early before having achieved anything. And I think in the next week, ten days, people start to understand what we're trying to do here. And, and then I think it, it was really important to sit and talk with the fans and, and understand how they want their club to be run and and, um, and what we can do to achieve that. And, and what does success 
look like to you? What what uh, is that hard to say? Or, or what what do you want your legacy to sort of be longer term? I mean, shorter term. I think. Listen, we have our in-house goals, but I, I think making that public puts pressure on it, and I don't think it's you know fair on on the team or on Mikey t- to to put that pressure on. So I'm not gonna go into what I believe we should be achieving this season. Um, Legacy-wise, is I want this to be York's golden era. I want it to, you know, in 50 years, people to look back, and hopefully they're doing really well still then, but really go, okay, well, this is where the foundations were laid for for what's to come. Um, I think if I get to the end of you know the tenure here and and go look back and they're where in my head I'd like them to be and again keep that to myself but that would you know I'd be immensely proud of that just thinking about the board now Mm -hmm. I think your mum's going to be heavily involved I love my mum dearly but I don't (laughs) mean I could she's not going to listen to fishing like football but I don't think I could work with her how is it how is it working with family what what's the dynamics like well I think we well we have a a fun uh, quite an interesting relationship in terms of you know, we've we've worked together on a few different things throughout my adult life, and um, what we found is is we're very different people, but that's actually quite a good thing. Um, where I lack in certain skills, she makes up for, it and kind of vice versa. So, don't get me wrong; me and her definitely have it out and and, and fight a lot. But at the end of the day, we both want the same thing, and there's fields that I won't understand, you know, like hospitality stuff that she's just unbelievable at. Um, and then there's fields that she might not understand that maybe I'm, I'm better suited to. So I think it's a good team and, you know, you throw in the other supporting, um, members in that. And it, it really is an exciting, um, team. And that, that again brings me on nicely to the next one that, you know, Mike Brown, Alistair Smith are, are on the board as well, representing yeah. the supporters trust. Mm-hmm. Is is that a help? Is it a hindrance going forward? And and the fifty one forty nine model's quite unique, isn't it? Was that something that you looked at before getting involved? Uh, yeah, we looked at obviously a, a number of different options for it. Um, having worked with you know the three main guys at the trust who we've, we've worked with, obviously Seth, uh, Mike, and and Alistair, and they've all just been fantastic. Um, Alistair, I don't think we would have got this deal done if Alistair wasn't involved. So he's been crucial. I think that what's key about them and which brings great comfort is that they do just want what's best for the club. I think having been in experiences previously where you're around people that it's a more of a selfish or, a, you know, they're looking out for number one. Um, I think having those people around is actually of a, a great benefit and, and good to have them as allies. And and what, one of the biggest gripes with supporters before your time is this sort of pre-existing contracts with things like beer and sort of locked into these things where the club can't make money or or change things is, is that something you you're going to try and renegotiate Are you we're gonna... looking yeah we're looking into a number of different things i think one of the the great ideas is um and again it's like the very early days for it but there's a unit across from the stadium i think it's called the confessional that's closed down it's kind of perfectly set up and we were maybe thinking of turning that into a, a supporters bar. Um, 
you know, and then we we have full control over that. So that's one option. I think renegotiating is another one, but we'll, I think we've got to figure out creative ways to 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 get around all this stuff. Yeah, and I guess that might be where your mum comes in as well. Is yeah, it? yeah, that yeah. Sort of she's, she's much better than me at that. And, and I know it's only been a week. Although I will take credit for the confessional uh, <laughs> idea. I know it's only been a week, but what 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 do you perceive is is the sort of biggest challenges that that you've found since you've come into the role? Um, Thanks. I'm trying to think without uh, saying anything too bad. Nothing yet. Uh, there's been a few challenges, but I think they're internal, and, and we just got to keep it that way. Okay. Given you had some time involved with Yeovil, do do you think that that short time experience working in the football industry has helped? Yeah, massively. Um, I have to like I hold my hands up. Made some silly errors at Yeovil that um, you know are regrettable, but the situation. I'm not. I won't go into it, but the situation was very very different than the situation at York. Um, there's a lot being said that just, you know, I think if the people on the inside do know the truth and, and it's it's sad that it's kind of been scapegoated almost. But what I will say is that it was a expensive lesson, but a very valuable lesson. And I think it's helped um, come in here and, and know, OK, well, this is important to do. This might not be so great to do. And and kind of moving on that so I think it has yeah I think it was it was um definitely beneficial in a weird way how, how hands-on are you planning to be as an owner because someone is just like to pump the money in sit in the background don't really hear from them some, yeah. some like to be really hands-on what, what where do you see yourself being I think pretty hands-on um I think you have to have the right people around you but I, th- I think in, if you have a business you should kind of know what's going on at all times i think if you're just handing a check over and you're not there that kind of to me seems like a bit of a, a vanity project rather than really wanting to get involved and and achieve certain things so i think hands-on to the point where i feel like i can be of help but if there's uh you know better people for certain things obviously um leave that to them yeah you, you um mentioned before that you know or mentioned you were involved with yeovil you Arsenal fan yeah. based in London you're planning to move up to the area aren't you as well to, to be closer to, to the club uh, yeah already moved up um, so pretty close I mean it's it's it was a long move but it's been great um, I love it up here it's I'm still getting used to the accent but um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm I'm very much enjoying my time up here and and it's incredible the amount of stuff that that is online, social media. Yeah. And I, I was sort of scrolling through today to sort of think, you know, is is there extra things I could ask you? And and you know, there's, there's this we're spending too much money. We're not spending enough. There's under we're getting a B team, under twenty three team. We only sign players from certain agents. What are there any sort of misconceptions that you keep seeing and think? Oh, I need to assure supporters I, over that. I think this just comes back to blocking out the noise a little bit. Like I think we have what we want to do, and we are on course. Um, I get that there's some red flags, and that's you know, I, for example, the agent thing. Um, listen, if an agent has four very good players, what you'd be foolish not to to be involved I think you also look at something that you know Xander doesn't have that agent or Finley Barnes isn't that agent or 
I'm not sure who this centre-back you're talking of as an agent is, but I don't think it's the same. Um, and the other players that we were talking to don't either. So I think if an agent has good players, well, either they're a very good agent and the players trust them, um, or it's just a coincidence. I mean, people can read into it what they want, but uh, we saw four very good players and, and it just happened to be with the same guy. And, and I mentioned within that the under twenty three sort of mm-hmm. B team, so that that is a thing that that is yes is sort of happening it's then. Def- that- yeah, it's underway. I mean, we're kind of working out what it looks like in proposals. I think the goal for us is maybe this year is to have a a bigger first team squad, um, who make up a the vast majority of um, the B team, accompanied with some of the you know better players from the academy. Um, and we arrange friendlies hopefully once a week for them. Uh, and then the goal would be by the kind of summertime next year to uh, have it as a standalone squad that is its own thing and, um, you know, trains very closely with the first team, but it, it stands alone. So the aim there is to get them to sort of develop in men's football then as if rather than sort of just academy football where it's a little bit... Yeah, for sure. intense, would we say? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's... Uh, I also think it having them, you know, obviously we've got great training facilities. So to be able to have them train kind of very in close proximity, it allows Mikey and his team to also keep an eye on on them. And and um, if someone's doing really well, then you just go, come on, you're over with the the big boys today, and yeah. and go on. And I think that's just that's what we're looking at very closely at the moment. And, and whose idea was it to sort of? do something like that because it's quite unique probably compared to some of the other teams in the league uh i think we probably stole the idea off of brentford i won't lie to you so um but it was so the the kind of things that i looked at before um getting involved was maybe either having a sister club somewhere maybe like an irish club or something like that or a development team and we kind of you know obviously costed it out and it it makes a lot more sense to have a, a development team for now um I you know spoke with Mikey about it and he thought it was a great idea. David again with his background at Brighton, who obviously are very good at developing players, um, thought it was a fantastic idea too. So I think we all came together and, and put our heads together and, and and came up with this sort of development squad idea. And obviously it hasn't been officially announced, but uh, yeah, it's something that we're we're aiming to do. And would the idea without be sort of that players? Playing in the the sort of B team, as it were, would play a similar sort of system to the first team then, so that when they come in, they yeah, I think they mirror they mirror um, they mirror completely the first team. So it's not like a awkward jump. If, if for example, one of them performing extremely well in the B team, they go into the first team, they already know the system inside out. So it's not like they have to learn a whole new game. So these these players that have signed over the the last week, so many of them will be in. With an idea of being in that team, that's uh, that's up, you know, that's up to them in pre-season how they get on, and and up to Mikey how he values them. I think he'd be, you know, pleasantly from what I'm hearing, pleasantly surprised with how a lot of those lads have been getting on. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised to see, well, I mean, you know, Castro and and stuff like that, definitely in the first team or in and around it, Um, but having the option of if maybe Mikey feels that the time's not right having that option is is fantastic yeah and for someone like um, 
Barnsley you signed yesterday. Yes. So he's a three-year contract, isn't it? So is that a view to sort of, if he's not quite ready this season, that there's time there for him to develop and hopefully... I th- I don't think it's... Uh, I think it's for any player. I think Finley Barnes was spotted by um, the recruitment team as someone who was had a lot of potential um, and is already, a, you know, probably quite a, a good player. I don't think he's played at this level yet. But again, he has a full pre-season to show Mikey what he can do. And if Mikey deems him ready to to play in the first team, then that's fantastic. I mean, we're already ahead of the curve then. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it, to let a player like that slip through the net just because he might not... I, and I'm not saying that he's not ready because I don't know. Yeah, I, of I, I, haven't, no, I haven't heard anything about that. Um but to let you know someone who's obviously extremely talented slip through the net, just because maybe you know he hasn't played full time football before, and he might need a few months to get up to speed, or uh, you know he might need to bulk up, or whatever. And I don't know that yeah. either. Yeah. Uh, it would be you know shame to to not be able to take those players on and give them a place to nurture them and and develop them, ready to come into the first team. The fixture list came out today. What what were your thoughts on that? Was there any ones in particular you were you were looking out for, or did um, not really matter. I wasn't not many that I was looking out for because I, you know, I think we got to play everyone anyway. So, yeah. um, obviously, the first game I was intrigued about, um, and then I thought it was quite cool that we get to play Chesterfield closer to the end of the year because you know they'll be up there fighting. Um, so those were probably the only two games, and obviously the Boxing Day game. Um, those are probably the only three that sort of jumped out at me. Yeah. Um, I mean, for one reason or another, we've had quite a disconnected club with, with owners and supporters over a long period of time. Yeah. I really hope that you can bring everyone together. And, you know, as, as we mentioned, we've got such a fantastic, incredible fan base. Yeah. I just wish you the best of luck with everything going forward. You know, thanks for giving up your time tonight. To no, come I, speak I to really us appreciate and, uh, it. And thanks for, I mean, hopefully we can chat again soon. And, and I, I want to definitely start communicating more with the fans. But my thing on it was, Look, I know what's going to be said about this whole Yeovil stuff and and all that. Let me start showing with actions rather than words what's going to happen. And I think in the next 10 days, you're going to see some stuff that, from my understanding, this football club hasn't seen in years, which will be marquee signings that, in our opinion, swing the pendulum and uh, yeah and they might play centre-half we, we can't confirm that uh, I don't, yeah I have no idea apparently there's a, a really good one down at Aldershot but uh, <laughs> I'll have to look into that thanks again cheers really appreciate it so thanks for listening uh, to that special episode with uh, Matt Ugla he said he's how he's pronounced uh, certainly he's in Sweden Ugla probably in Yorkshire just think the future sounds really positive to me you know if you take people at, at, at face value and, and listen to his plans I don't think you could help but, but be excited by them and um, yeah it was it was nice and, and refreshing to kind of kind of hear his thoughts um, I didn't want to ask him too much about the Yeovil stuff to be honest and I, and I sort of explained that to him that I felt that really podcast is, is about a celebration of York City really rather than harping on about about other things and I didn't know enough about those sort of situations to, to want to go over old ground so we only really touched upon that 
Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Ho- hopefully, people listening did. And if you did, you know, please consider donating to our charity, justgiving.com forward slash your hospital radio. Please consider giving us a review on iTunes, uh, ratings on Spotify, that sort of thing. Those things really, really help the charity. And just want to say a big thank you to everyone who came to our quiz night um, the other Sunday. Um, feels like a long time ago now because that was before uh, the new ownership came in and everyone was a little bit nervous about what was happening. But um, yeah, so many people came. I think we had over, over 60 people there on a the night, another 10 people doing it on Zoom. And um, yeah, we raised a lot of money for the charity. And, and you know, I, I like to think people had a, had a good night. And uh, thanks to Dave Flett who came and was our guest for the evening. So hopefully we're going to do another one of us sometime in the future. And um, who knows, we might get Matt along to maybe be a special guest. Who knows? But uh, yeah, thanks for listening and um, yeah, until the next time, um, keep the faith as they say.